As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Spin Rate, the Athletics Toronto Blue Jays podcast. My name is Drew Fairservice, and yes, we're talking about your very much playoff bound, very much looking to host a playoff game if they can manage it. Toronto Blue Jays, three games left in the regular season, and then the wild card round awaits. Congratulations to the Blue Jays and to you, the Blue Jays fans who've put up with some lean years over. The generations. But here we are, two 90 win seasons in a row. There's no one I'd rather talk about it with. Break it all down. She joins me from beautiful downtown Baltimore. She covers the Blue Jays for the Athletic. Her name is Caitlin McGrath. Caitlin, how are you? I'm good. I am. I am indeed in downtown Baltimore. It's a bit overcast today. I haven't checked the um, recent weather forecast. I know I looked yesterday and they were calling for some rain today. I think in the evening and night it was calling for light rain. So optimistic that uh it won't impact the game here on monday night and i think they're also calling for rain on tuesday so hopefully we get all these games in because they matter they do matter and i think that the ability to avoid like a ugly double header type situation that matters too the mariners of course the team the closest to the blue jays the team that uh the magic number currently sits at two for the blue jays to clinch home field during that wild card round the Mariners have four games left including a doubleheader on Tuesday against the Tigers now the Tigers are bad but asking a team to sweep a doubleheader to avoid going on the road is a lot so if the Blue Jays can avoid a doubleheader if the Blue Jays can avoid piling up innings on starters relievers everybody in between better than not of course this is as I said off the top the spin rate which you can subscribe to wherever you get your podcast we do the show twice a week one with Caitlin and I one with me and former Blue Jays All-Star Ricky Romero. We do it later in the week, talking about the Blue Jays and often other things too. We had Mark Zipchinski on last week, and he told a ghost story, which was not something I had on my bingo card at the beginning of the season. That wasn't even something I had on my bingo card at the beginning of that episode. So if you haven't heard, A, Mark Zipchinski appear like a ghost himself suddenly in the, in the Zoom chat, or if you haven't heard that episode, check it out. And then Caitlin and I breaking it all down. So the Blue Jays are hot on the heels of a sweep of the Red Sox, winning all the games that they have to win. 
here we are. There are three games left. And I guess the question I keep coming back to is how much differently did we hope or think the Blue Jays season was going to look at this point? I guess the, the idea would or the thought would be they should have or could have won the division. But here we are, three games left. The Blue Jays offense is absolutely terrorizing the American League as it has been for the last month. This looks like a pretty good team. I don't know. I, I mean, I, we've, we've kind of bounced this idea back and forth a little bit, you and I. But the idea of, like, is it a disappointment? I mean, obviously, the season's not over yet. They've won. Here they are. They've won 90 games. They could win as many as 93, which would be obviously an improvement over last season. But, like, this is kind of what it's starting to feel. Again, playing the Red Sox is one thing. But it's starting to feel like the team that I think people expected it to be. Like, just beating the crap out of people. Scoring runs in bunches. A very long lineup. Obviously, right now, Teoscar Hernandez swinging a great bat. Bo Bichette swinging a great bat. George Springer doing George Springer things, the best bottom of the order in baseball when you compare it to the rest of the bottoms of the order. Like, this is a pretty scary team right now. I don't know that I feel like the Blue Jays are going to be the favorite in the wild card round. And I don't know, they, they feel pretty scary right now. They feel like they're coming close to being uh, firing on all cylinders. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes it is hard to get a good read on the Blue Jays against the Red Sox because for whatever reason, the Blue Jays have just been completely and utterly dominant against the Red Sox this year. Uh, they finished, I believe, 16-3 and three against them. I don't even remember those three losses. <laughs> they happened in the first half because the Jays have swept the last two times they played the Red Sox. I remember one at home. They won one game in Toronto. They just look like they're in another like world against the Red Sox. It's like the Red Sox can't do anything against them. That skews it a little bit, but certainly the Jays look like they're playing their best baseball in September. I think losing two of three to the Yankees was a little bit disappointing. I can somewhat give the Blue Jays a bit of a pass on that one just because the Aaron Judge stuff was overwhelming. It was kind of almost suffocating of that series. Like it was... Obviously, he got number 61 um, in that, I guess it was the last game against them. And it just felt like no other storyline could exist alongside the Aaron Judge thing. And I, I think it was just a very weird experience for the pitchers. They kind of had to keep getting out of their rhythm because of the balls. And it was just like, all this stuff was made of it. And so I, I, I kind of give the Jays a bit of a pass. I think they should have wanted to win that series, but whatever uh they they rebounded completely against Red Sox good they won those games that they needed to win they put themselves in a really good spot so like you said two games our magic number is two so a combination of a Jays win and an, a Mariners loss would be enough for the Blue Jays to host the wild card series it still could be against I believe Tampa or the Mariners it, that's still kind of up in the air to me it's leaning Mariners at this point and the Rays I believe are playing Boston in Boston and like you said the Mariners are playing Detroit who aren't a great team but the A's aren't a great team and they beat the Mariners yesterday so I, I think that the Blue Jays are in a good position to host Certainly the way that I packed for this trip, I'm really hoping I get to go home <laughs> because I <laughs> I had to uh, I had to pack a, a lot of different scenarios here. Obviously, I flew to Baltimore today, Monday, and there's a scenario where I just go home to Toronto on Thursday, but there's also a scenario where I actually have to go on to Seattle, and there's another scenario where after Seattle, I might directly go on to Houston. So it is the range of days on this trip is somewhere 
between four and like 11. <laughs> so, uh, and I'm a carry on girl now. So, got to fold those shirts up real small to get them in there. <laughs> and if you're going to Seattle, you got to dress for the rain, obviously, for the weather. But the one thing that is evidenced by your packing at the time as, that we're recording, the Blue Jays have clinched not going to Tampa. Yes. The Blue Jays have. Or, or Cleveland. Or right? Cleveland. No matter what happens, they've clinched the not third spot. And Tampa is unable to win the first overall spot in the wild card. So even if the Mariners lose the next four games in a row and Tampa manages to slide ahead of them, it was, that series will would be in Toronto no matter what. So that's encouraging. I think that obviously it's for, for Caitlin's uh, uh, sartorial choices as well as the Blue Jays' fate. Uh, games in Toronto are better than games not in Toronto. The Blue Jays in Seattle would be pretty interesting. I can't help but think that it would not look like a regular season game, obviously, that Mariners fans now kind of just avoid at all costs when the Blue Jays come to town. Um, but also just the way that, uh, as anyone who has probably tried to acquire Blue Jays playoff tickets, that they make you jump through a lot of hoops. And every hoop has like a, hey, do you want to buy a season ticket package offer in order to bypass the rest of the hoops? So seems unlikely that it would be flooded with Blue Jays fans, but I'm sure there were still plenty of Vancouver and uh, Lower Mainland Blue Jays fans who would pay a premium for some for a, for a playoff game against the Mariners. But nevertheless, the Blue Jays just keep on winning, and it's the advantage of winning all those games and the advantage of taking taking what comes to you and, and again, deeping, digging deep into the bag of sports writer or podcaster cliches and controlling your own destiny, which is what winning games does and winning all the different games. And the, the Boston thing is really interesting because the Red Sox have played like as bad against the Blue Jays as any one team has or ever will play against any other team. The Blue Jays are finished the season series 16-3 and three against Boston. And as I uh, made a tweet about this week, or during the, on Saturday, I think, if you, without the, the games against the Blue Jays, the Red Sox are over 500 and have a positive run differential. Like, the Red Sox are, in, for, the, for whatever reason, have played, I, I think you could say they've played their worst baseball against the Blue Jays in terms of, you know, giving away runs, giving away outs. Obviously, the 28-5 to 5 game looms large. But the 28-5 to 5 game doesn't accommodate for the fact that the Blue Jays have scored 70 more runs than the Red Sox this year. This series alone, like the first two games, they scored 19 runs to zero Red Sox runs. So there was a 19-run differential right there. It's funny because last year the Red Sox ruined the, the Blue Jays season, and this year the Blue Jays ruined the Red Sox season. Now, I don't know that the Red Sox would have ever made it enough to be competitive. Like you said, they would have been a little bit better had they played better, made it, made it more of a conversation, made it a little closer perhaps. But it's funny how it worked out this year that, like, I don't even know if the Blue Jays were like, we got to get these guys, man. <laughs> they didn't lose that last game for us. It's worth kind of looking, if we wanted to, we could look a little bit deep, deeper and see that the, this Red Sox lineup is not a good matchup for, like, say, Kevin Gossman in particular. Um, and maybe some of the Red Sox pitchers are the opposite, right? Like maybe Nick Pavetta is good, good hitting for, for kind of the, the, the Blue Jays starters. And, yeah, it certainly and, seems and, like that. And I think that the, the Fenway Park, you know, all the things that Fenway Park does well, it also lines up well with the Blue Jays, who have so many powerful right-handed hitters who can just line dents into that fence one after another. But, I mean, you don't expect it. Just like last year, the Rays, what were the Rays? The Rays were 18-1 and against the, the Mariners last year, and or sorry, against the Orioles last year. I guess my, my thing is, is what I've been trying to suggest is that, A, the Blue Jays are, are good, and they're playing really good baseball right now, and 
it's easy to dismiss the fact that they dominated the Red Sox like this, but like, if you want to go look at the season series, the Red Sox won the season series against the Orioles. The Red Sox won the season series against Houston. They won the season series against Seattle. They won the season series against uh, some other like good teams. They're not just a pushover. I think they were pretty competitive with the Yankees. I don't think they won the season series, but I don't think it was that lopsided. Yeah, no, actually, they they got beat by the by the Yankees pretty good. Oh, they go. they were six and thirteen against the Yankees. Um, and got outscored by maybe the games were closer maybe the games were closer it means 30 runs in in 19 games isn't too many um, or 30 runs in in those 13 losses but I just think that that the Red Sox it's different and and it's it's one of those things that that goes and you see fans quabbling about it and I was texting with Ricky a little bit earlier today about you know the Dodgers and Dave Roberts love to say that loves to say that the Dodgers play in the toughest division in baseball. And it's like, they don't, they don't play in the toughest division in baseball. And Mets fans are saying the same things. Mets fans are like, Oh no, the Mets and at least is the best division in baseball. It's like, it's absolutely not. It's absolutely not. The Mets have played the Mets and the Phillies and the, and Atlanta have played more games against teams with like below four twenty five win percentages than any team in baseball. The Blue Jays will have ended up playing the least. So, A, there's no soft spots in the schedule. The Blue, the Blue Jays, I think we, they need credit for making the games against the Red Sox a soft spot. It, they could have gone like last year and lost those games, but they didn't. And I, I guess my thing is, and this is my thing, and, and I've been sent, I said this before and I've said this off the air and on the radio. You look at the Blue Jays' offense for the last month. They have a one, since the start, sorry, let's go back to September 1st. They have a 130 weighted runs created plus as a team. 130. That's like, and, and, and you look at the way that they've produced because they haven't hit quite as many home runs. The comparison I used yesterday was, that's nine Francisco Lindors every night on a team that run, goes through and uses its bench. It's not like it's the same nine guys every single day, but they're putting Merrifield in, Biggio in, you know, Danny Jansen gets his turns, Randall Tapia's played a ton, obviously, with, with Gurriel's injury. Uh, 130 weighted runs created plus for the better part of the last month. And they've done that with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. being the least productive regular. If Vladimir Guerrero Jr. turns it around a little bit and is able to kind of catch some of the fire that's happening all around him, who is going to beat the Blue Jays? I guess is the question that I'm asking. Maybe I, this is my, my Homer question. Then, <laughs> fair enough. But like that is an insane lineup that is healthy-ish, healthy enough, given the fact that it's October. That's a lot of guys swinging the bat really really well because they've got so many good hitters. Teoscar Hernandez is, I mean, how many, you know, Astros, I mean, Astros fans will know who Teoscar Hernandez is, but like, I, I don't think a lot of the, you know, how many Mariners fans would know Teoscar Hernandez well. He'd be the best hitter on like 15 different teams in the league. And he's the fourth or fifth best hitter on the Blue Jays. I mean, certainly when he's swinging the bat well, like he is right now, he he is one of the best hitters in the majors. And if you look at like, since he kind of turned it around in 2019, I believe, like midway through 2019, he got sent down or maybe earlier than that. And then he got called back up and um, he's been uh, probably a top 10 hitter in the American League since then. He obviously had that great 2020 season, Silver Slugger, last year, Silver Slugger. This year, um, he battled some injuries and it was a little bit more choppy i guess you know up and down not the same consistency that he had showed the last two seasons but still he has that he has those runs in him and he seems to be kind of 
in one right now where he's just so completely locked in and he knows exactly what pitches to swing at and he's waiting for those pitches. Like I saw on Twitter, I think it was Chris Black, but he was just talking about how like Teoscar has one of the prettiest swings. You know, when he does get when he does get a home run or like when he does get his pitch to hit, he never misses it or almost never misses it. And it just looks perfect. Like, you know, he has one of those swings where you like could put it in an art exhibit or something, you know, like if you wanted to say, this is what a beautiful swing looks like. You could put his in in an exhibit. And right-handed swings don't get the same kind of like love that left-handed swings do, but Teoscar's swing is beautiful. It's fall through nice and high. It looks a lot like Hanley Ramirez, who's one of the best hitters of like the last decade. Like they've got really, really similar swings. If somebody told me that they like had the same coach and trainer and stuff when they were kids, I would believe them. Right. But like if you go back over the last three years, three years, three calendar years, Teoscar Hernandez has a 133 weighted runs created plus. I think right now when we're sitting here and, and I think Teoscar, Teoscar is a great example. Teoscar Hernandez, Bo, Bo they are the Blue Jays kind of like a microcosm of the season because here we are 159 games in and their numbers are more or less exactly where we would we would predict them to be. They, they look exactly like the kind of guy that they should be. Teoscar Hernandez has a 130 weighted runs created plus. Bobuchet's sitting on like a four, almost five win season, right? It, it, didn't, it didn't happen the way you would. Again, we, we, you and I have talked about this before, about the idea of consistency and just like not everybody is Mike Trout. Not everybody just goes two for five every single day or, you know, gets on two, twice in, in, in four plate appearances or five plate appearances and then just plays all, the whole year and everything is normal. It's not how it works. But here, the, here we are at the end of the year. These two guys are, are, are on balance having great seasons. The Blue Jays themselves have now won 90 games. They have the potential to win 93. They're going to host the opening round of the playoffs, and they're going to be the favorite. And if I had to put my money... Potentially. You're jinxing it. I am jinxing it. Well, guess what I'm about to say. If the Blue Jays play the Yankees, the Blue Jays have to be the favorite. Yeah, and but they wouldn't get there until the ALCS. Whenever they play them, I think they, they have to be the favorite. They're a better team. Strike me down with lightning, and whoever's listening to this is cursing my name, commentator curse, whatever you want to call it. They're better. But the thing is, like, they, they have to go through the harder team to get to the Yankees. They have to beat the best team in the American League, which is the Astros. Bring it on. I, as a Blue Jays affiliated person, I ain't never scared. I, I think that the Blue Jays can play with anybody, even the Dodgers. But they're a really good team. And, and I just think that the one, thing, the, one, the one thing that could hold them back, A, as you said, beating themselves, which we kind of talked about a little bit here and there, and there was the... Base running incidents from last week, uh, and Buck Martinez kind of going off and talking about how they got to pull him in and have those veteran conversations, and it sounded like John Schneider did exactly that. I don't think that, that Blue Jays fans should be satisfied with just making it. I think that they can go in, and it doesn't mean they're going to, but they're good, and they look good right now, and all they got to do basically is win one more game this year, and they will be exactly where they would would have wanted to be in March, hosting a playoff game. And I think, honestly, like looking at their win total – 90 right now good odds that they get at least 91 which would match their team last year maybe even good odds that they get 92 and get one more they have to win two games against the Orioles to do that I think that that makes a lot of sense honestly like I think when you look at the roster of last year the roster of this year what they did I mean the two teams were kind of similar if you you know you take out Robbie Ray and then you plugged in Kevin Gosman and they kind of had had similar years and I mean, compared to like what Robbie Ray did last year. 
Matt Chapman goes in for Marcus Simeon. Obviously, Matt Chapman didn't hit as many home runs as Marcus Simeon this year. Marcus Simeon didn't hit as many home runs as Marcus Simeon did last year. The Blue Jays in general didn't hit as many home runs, but they kind of won different ways this year, a little bit less reliant on the long ball. Anyway, it's all to say that, like, the fact that they're probably going to sit on 91, 92 wins this year, that adds up to me. I don't know. Certainly, I think for a team to win, like, 100 games – a lot of things have to go right for a team. And I would say the Blue Jays, like, some things did go right for them. But I would say, like, I don't know that I looked at that team and was like, everything's going right for this team. Whereas, like, you looked at the Yankees <clears throat> and how they started out the season. Everything went right for them. And they're going to sit on, are they at 96 wins right now or 97 wins right now? 97. They have 97. Jays have yeah, 90. so they do have a chance to get 100 wins because I believe they have four games left against Texas. So... Like, a 100-win team is very, very, very hard to do. I think the Astros have more than 100 wins. Yankees are close, could get there. But so many things have to go right. And you also have to play, like, the the nature of the Jays' division this year, it was making it very tough because you didn't have necessarily, like, those layup wins the way you used to against the Baltimore Orioles. Like, obviously, the Jays, like we talked about, like, the – Red Sox kind of functioned as their Orioles this year, but you didn't get those extra maybe wins that you thought at the start of the season you would get against the Orioles. And maybe some of them came against the Red Sox or whatever, but it's all to say that I think reflecting on it, like if they got to 91, 92 wins, I think that's a successful season. I don't like, I understand maybe people were hoping for a hundred win season. We're hoping to win the division, all this kind of stuff, but you didn't take a step back. If anything, you took a step forward. Um, you you equaled the win total and you got to the postseason this year. And I think that not just the number too, but I think that the way that they've done it, how much better they've played in the last like two months, how much better they've played. You know, the, obviously not everything hasn't gone perfect. People are, will, will all remember you know, the sweep at the hands of the Angels and whatever else. But I don't know if momentum is the right word, but like all systems appear go as they head into the playoffs. Not that they will have like kind of one, two or three meaningless games at the end of the year to achieve a 90 or 91 win season. But it's like, A, they're here. B, they're in the position they need to be in. And they look more the part of the team that we would have liked in a perfect world. You would, they're, everyone's the Dodgers. In the perfect world, your team that's good and is, is, a, is a favorite for, to, to make to the World Series comes out and wins 110 games, comes out and destroys the division. Dodgers are currently leading, leading their division by 23 games, just FYI. But like, that's not necessarily realistic, especially in the, in the circumstances as you described. But I think that it's starting to feel more like uh, what we maybe would have expected with them dominating with them scoring tons of runs with the lineup feeling long with the bullpen feeling lined up really nicely and with the turns through the rotation being you know sound enough I mean not perfect we there's still like the Mitch White conundrum but I think the you, you can't help but feel good and you, you if, you, if you're John Schneider and the, and the Blue Jays you're looking to get this thing clinched and then you can start to do the kind of machinations to see if you can get make sure you get who the guys you want in the places you want them to do which brings us of course to our only recurring segment on this show which is where today are we Caitlin on the Barrios stripling spectrum where do we fall I feel like it's getting a little bit tilted it's uh we're all kind of hewing to one side what do you think where are where are you on the Barrios stripling spectrum today 
I'm 98% stripling at this point, honestly. And I, I, I don't even know that it's a conversation anymore. Like, I think the last start that stripling had against the Red Sox was like, what, six scoreless innings? It kind of sealed it for me and maybe for the organization. And just a sense of like, how do you deny this guy the opportunity to start? You know, like there, I understand like, it, teams don't necessarily think that like that way, like, oh, he earned it, you know, but like, they're, the the numbers matter, the matchups matter, all this stuff matters. But I also don't think, like, how can you look I, – I don't know all the numbers that teams have to look at. Um, certainly they can go dive a lot deeper on the matchups and stuff like that. But I also don't know, like, how you could look at the numbers that Stripling has put up against the numbers that Brios has put up and then against just kind of the sort of narrative, I suppose, of the season, just the reliability and the consistency from Ross Stripling – I don't know how you could come to the conclusion that you're going to start Brios. I could believe a scenario where they maybe use them both if, um, you know, they really have a tight leash on Ross Stripling, perhaps. And then if they feel comfortable, maybe if they have a lead, maybe they would bring in someone like Brios. It also, I think, depends on when they um, are using Stripling. Like, I actually think it's a conversation in terms of, I think we can sort of conclude that Manoa is getting game one. John Schneider strongly hinted that would be the case, even if home field is still on the line, which I guess the Blue Jays are really hoping it's not by 162. Like if they're hoping in the next two days, the Jays can win a game and the Mariners would lose a game. And so they can sort of have that wrapped up before Wednesday. But I think even if it's not, I, I think the Blue Jays have sort of moved on from wanting to use Manoa in that. I think they really want to use him for game one, which I think is a smart decision. So who do they use for game two? So you have potentially you just go Gosman. You have the bit of the wrench of this cut that he had. And while it doesn't sound serious in the sense that it's not going to like sit him down for the postseason, <clears throat> you do have the option of giving him an extra day if he wants it. You do have the option of like if they win game one with Manoa, do you go to Stripling, hope that he can get the win so that you can save Gosman for the opening game of the ALDS? Or do you not want to get too cute and just do our best two starters, Manoa, Gosman, get it done and not trying to insult Stripling or anything, but it's just like, you know, use your best two to get it done. And then you could start the ALDS with someone like Stripling or you could go to Brios to start that however you would want to work it out. I do think it's an interesting conversation. I, I could, in theory or conceptually, I like the idea of holding on to Gosman in the hopes that you could either use him for like a necessary game three or a game one in the DS. But I can also see the argument of like, don't get too cute here, Blue Jays. Just put your two best starters, one, two, and get it done. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I, and so the one thing I was going to say was, if you've listened to our shows previously, you will A, have heard Pancakes, the dog who was just barking. But the other thing you'll have heard me say a couple times is like, well, because Stripling's got that flexibility. He's kind of come out of the bullpen. And I think that I, I, I have changed my mind on that. I think that Ross Stripling is a starter now. And to suggest otherwise is to do him a disservice, to kind of like downplay all that he's done. And, to, and while it's a nice, nice luxury, theoretically, in my head, where it's like Stripling can get hot in a minute and he can you know be, be ready to come in, I think it does him a big disservice. And I like the way that you're kind of game theorying this out and thinking like, what if it was going one and two? I think a, a little bit of it might depend, would depend on who they play. I guess it, it's looking like if they, if the Blue Jays are able to get through the wildcard round, it would be Houston that they would play, correct? So maybe, yeah, absolutely. That's got a start I would want Gosman. Again, if, I want, if I'm getting too cute, I'm thinking maybe a guy like Gosman, that poor bastard with his batting average on balls in play, if the Blue Jays were playing Cleveland, maybe I'm like, I would try to get Gosman maybe a little bit away from Cleveland just because shit happens to Kevin Gosman in 2022 and Cleveland Guardians are the kind of team that makes shit happen to you. So I think that absolutely you can, you must give a start to Ross Stripling. I've slid all the way to the far side of the Ross Stripling, uh, Jose Barrios uh, spectrum. I think that a you're, if you need to use Jose Barrios in some kind of crazy emergency in a wild card, you know, maybe game three, where it's like you got to win or the season's over, then you can maybe bring Burrios out if you need to get a big strikeout or you need some bulk or whatever the situation might be. But you're going to need to get starts from him if you want to win the World Series. So it's not like you're going to send him home, right? Like, thanks, Jose. You know, we had a great they year. They need four. They 100% need four. They need four. four. Mm-hmm. You, if you, you only need Burrios if maybe you've already used, you say, Kikuchi like the day before and he's like done his three innings, 12 strikeouts thing that he, that he is. Um, so he, he can make it happen, three innings, 12 strikeouts. But yeah, I think absolutely you need to, you, you've got to look at an opportunity to, to get Ross Stripling in there. I think it's a nice counterpoint as well, even kind of between Manoa and, and Gossman if you get to that point. So I actually like how it could set up with like a Manoa who, and a Stripling is a very different look than Manoa. Not that like Gosman is similar to Manoa either, but I almost like the idea of going from like a Manoa who's going to be like fastball slider, uh, a little bit change up, but then going to a guy like Stripling who can do anything, you know, like who can throw five different pitches in every single quadrant, who's going to mix it up. I kind of like how that could throw a team, especially if you're talking about now, I think if they lose game one with Manoa on the mound, then I think it's Gosman game two regardless. I, I think I think the scenario in which you could go to Stripling in game two only happens if 
they win game one because I think you don't want to lose your season. And again, this is not to suggest like Stripling couldn't win or couldn't get it done. It's just that like in theory, you're kind of two best starters stuff wise that you can kind of want to count on the guys that are have done it for you all year. And and Gosman's by some metrics has been having one of the best seasons in the American League this year. So I think in, if they lose game one, you're going to Gosman for sure because he's He's your guy. That's what he's being paid to do. I think you could get a little cute and if they win and you try to sort of almost plan ahead if you can. And that's a bit of a luxury in the postseason, but you got to be strategic. And I, I, I think would also depend on who they're playing, who they're matched up with, and how do they win game one. If they play Seattle and they win game one big, like maybe the team is feeling good about themselves. Maybe they're thinking like we're going to put up six more runs again or seven more runs again like maybe that would color their decision as well whereas like you know if the offense suddenly goes cold again maybe it is someone that maybe they want Gosman because he's at least has the strikeouts I know he's had a lot of bad luck with balls in play but he does he does can rack up the strikeouts so these decisions are going to be fluid uh, other than I think game one Manoa and I don't think we would even know them until the day of the playoff game and the Blue Jays would probably have all these different scenarios mapped up. But it is fun to think about. It is fun to sort of as you like game plan in your head what you might do, what they might do. It's interesting how at this point we know it's going to be the Rays or the Mariners. Mariners have a really good pitching staff. So the Blue Jays are pretty familiar with the Rays and they would, you know, they've just seen them a ton. They kind of know what's coming for them. The Mariners, they haven't seen in a while. Mariners look different now. They have Lou uh, Casillo now. So he presumably would be would be their game one starter. Uh, Robbie Ray started on Sunday for Sunday for Seattle and did not pitch particularly well. Yes, yesterday, Sunday, and did not pitch particularly well. Robbie Ray has, in the last month or so, he's had a couple, he's had two good starts and then a few bad starts. Pitched to like a four. 32 ERA, but with an 839 OPS um, allowed since the start of September. Not ideal from him. Um, in the second half, his ERA is an even four, um, getting hit, you know, reasonably hard. Uh, doesn't look like he's is he walking people. I mean, that's that's like the Robbie Ray kind of kiss of death, right? If he starts walking people, then he's in trouble. But he's given up I a would, lot of home runs. I know that he has given up a lot of home runs, and uh, and he will do that. His his batting average on balls in play is not as high as as Kevin Gosman, which as I'm sure most people, many people will have already heard. I don't think anybody's in the majors is as high as Kevin Gosman. Kevin Gosman is the highest ever in the majors. It right now is his batting average on balls in play of 364 is the highest ever. In, I, I've just done it um, in the sorry in the divisionary since 1969 when they which is when they lowered the mound. Nobody's had a season with a higher batting average on balls in play than Kevin Gossman. And the one thing that's kind of unique about his season is that it's still been good. A lot of the guys, if you look at this list, uh, number one, there's a, a quite a few kind of 2020s that kind of populate the top of the list, which you can kind of throw them aside. You know, Patrick Corbin um, is bad, but Matt Scherzer is not. So like. I don't think that you would expect that to continue, but like not a lot of not a lot of guys have have managed this kind of success while still getting just beaten alive or eaten alive by uh, by balls in play. It's because he doesn't walk guys and he doesn't give up many home runs and he doesn't and he strikes out a ton. So a lot of the time times when those guys are getting on base, 
he's able to strand them a lot of times because he doesn't give up those bombs. It's like, you know, if two guys get on base, he's good at getting strikeouts, not walking it to make it worse, or like giving up these like three-run bombs. Oh, look, there's Ricky Romero. Ricky Romero, a lot of 335 batting average on balls in play in his 2009 season, which, of course, he was above average that year, um, just like Kevin Gosman is this year. But, yeah, it's a, it's been a weird season. And, and the home runs, obviously, that's that's Robbie Ray's thing, which if you are facing the Blue Jays, that should always be a concern because those home runs can come from literally any spot in the lineup from one I don't know that seven. the Jays will see Robbie Ray if it only goes two games. I I would assume he's the Mariners' third starter. At this point, yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's unfair to say that he's with, with Castillo and uh, and Logan Gilbert kind of being maybe more of the, the more prominent types, guys who have pitched you know, better straight up. So easy to say that, yeah, the Felicias might not even see him, which is would be interesting. Of course, the rules um, as it relates to the... Um, Border access and Canada uh, changing their, removing their IVCAN or, or I'm not exactly sure of how to phrase this, but like they, you don't have to be vaccinated to get into Canada anymore. So, if, so that's not something that would stand in Robbie Ray's way um, if he was to come to Canada. And we'll never even know if he went and got it just in case anyway. I mean, they no, only removed, right. they only removed it like two, three weeks ago. And so like, Really, I think you were really down to the wire. I know the Johnson and Johnson one is still around in the U.S. and that one is one one dose, and so maybe the timeline wise still would have worked out, but you never know. And just looking at Luis Castillo's numbers against since he's joined the Mariners, he's only given up six home runs in sixty-five innings. That's pretty good. Um, getting out of that tiny little ballpark in Cincinnati, um, allowed a six thirty-five uh, OPS against. Uh, had a bit of a rough start against the Royals. But then he was. That was that crazy game where they Royals. Oh, that's the right. Mariners the were winning. Game. <laughs> yeah, the Mariners were yeah. really winning eleven to two. Yeah, so he had a couple of rough starts. He had a bad, rough start against Oakland, then a, that rough start against Kansas City. But then he righted the ship this weekend against Oakland, and uh, and went six. So yeah, it does it does present a tough matchup. Uh, the, the Mariners are have been battling injuries, but I believe that Julio Rodriguez will be activated today on Monday. Um, in time for the the Mariners to kind of play these last few crucial games in Detroit. What I want to get back to is this the idea that it's important that we break down these matchups and think about what's the best way to optimize your your rotation, what's the best way to kind of plan and and, and get guys coming out of the out of the bullpen as you need them. But the Blue Jays offense is such that I don't think if you're a Blue Jays fan, you need to be afraid of anybody. The Blue Jays should be can and will be confident going into any matchup. I think that when the team is going like they are, when they're able to put together big innings, when they're able to string together lots of hits um, and get their, I used to joke about the, the RBI ground out, which was like the sort of thing that floated them along when they, when they weren't having as much success at the plate, but still scoring lots of runs. Like if you're the Blue Jays, you can't help but feel confident. Apparently, I'm, as I say these words and I hear them coming out of my mouth, I'm like, this sounds a little bit suspiciously like overconfidence, famous last words and things that I will wish I hadn't said. But anything can happen in a short, and especially in a three-game series. But at the same time, I think if you're the Blue Jays, you can't help but feel confident going in against anybody. Seattle, Tampa, especially as you met, you noted last time we spoke that Tampa's not been a good road team. Tampa's not been playing baseball particularly well recently. So unless Seattle sort of falls on their face, you feel like it's probably going to be the Mariners coming to town. But... Blue Jays are playing good. 
we just can't help but feel good. There's not really any like controversy. There's no that's the thing. This is this makes for in a way it makes for boring podcasts because it's like yeah, this team wins every goddamn night. They got guys who can hit every position up and down the lineup. I don't know what you want me to say. Uh, the the Kevin Gosman finger thing. I think you were among others who reported that he probably could have kept going, Kevin Gosman, if 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 push came to shove, but. Out of an abundance of caution, the Blue Jays opted to take him out. And I don't know if you do you know anything about the laser treatment? You mentioned he was going he's getting laser treatment. Is that what are they going to just zap at his skin and blow away all the dead stuff, or what are they doing? I think um, he's had this. I don't even know what it is. Maybe some sort of like laser pen, but he always uses it because he gets blisters pretty frequently because of the way he throws his splitter. And um, so I think he just maintains it himself. Honestly, like it's not something that. Uh, is new or anything like he's kind of has this finger maintenance uh regime regime (laughs) yeah (laughs) i was trying to think of the word and he just does it and uh it was funny he like someone asked him like laser treatment and he's like you're asking me to get scientific here i think it it speeds up cell turnover (laughs) or something and i think it does speed up healing i googled it after and uh yeah red light laser treatment or something i don't know that i don't know all this technical terms of why it does what it does but i just know it speeds up healing um and helps the skin heal so that's what he does and it's nothing new to him in the sense that he's kind of always has to maintain this middle finger of his because of the i guess wear and tear that it takes throwing the splitter and the way that he throws it yeah he didn't seem alarmed at all honestly i think if the game if that had been sort of a really 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 pivotal matchup he probably would have stayed in but I think just knowing how good the Jays play against the Red Sox and how the offense had been swinging and at that point, I think he probably thought, like, let's not risk it and this game is still close. Our bullpen can take it from here kind of thing. So it doesn't seem like it's anything that they're worried about. And, um, yeah, and the the way the playoff sets up, he would have an extra day regardless, assuming that he's not game one, which I don't believe he will be. be. Um, So I think he'll get an extra day of rest if he's game two, and then you could get two extra days of rest if he's game three. So, um, or like five days of extra rest or four days of extra rest if it doesn't even pitch till the ALDS if they get that far. So, yeah, that's kind of the it. I was there was something else I was going to bring up, and now I don't remember what it was. Was it him peeing on his hands? That was that was the thing that was on my mind. It came up the Moises Alou's name was 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 bubbled up in the conversations uh, I know Arden uh, wrote a piece on it earlier in the year as well but the idea of uh, a pee on oh, his hand Oh to like so. treat a blister like pee on your hand or something Yeah 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 that's the the famous treatment uh, I believe it's <laughs> some, there was a question asked online of a person that I follow who was wondering about uh, whether or not we will find uh, Kevin Gosman's name on the piss list so it's very important very this, this is this is the kind of journalism we need you to get down to Caitlin be like are you going to do it? Have you considered it? Where are we on self-drenching uh, your own flesh and urine? I think it's really, <laughs> it's really, really important to know. I guess one other thing on a bit of an oddity on the weekend was the going to Jordan Romano in the blowout and then just <laughs> pulling him after like a dozen pitches. Was there anything, anything to, obviously not something to worry about, but also like that was odd. Uh, was it just purely monitoring his workload and being like, we don't want this inning to get away from you and in case we need you tomorrow sort of thing? Yeah, I think that was it. I think they just wanted, he doesn't like to go too long without pitching. Like I think he feels like he gets rusty and I think the team likes him to get work in, but they also like don't want him 
getting so much work in in a game that like he's not even getting to save and it doesn't it's a blowout so I think that he just had like a strict pitch limit or like strict number of pitches they wanted him to get and I think he had like thir- like you said he was like 12 or 13 and they just like he kind of laughed like I think when Schneider went up to him I think he was kind of shocked like why are you playing me and he kind of like laughed it off and it was he was obviously fine the next day and then he took that tumble at first base with Vlad oh, yeah. like not giving him a great throw and then he kind of fell over but he was fine so yeah it was it was odd but I was wondering like I asked after, I was like, did you also want to get Adam Simber some pitches in too? And you just had to like get them all in in the ninth or something. But it was kind of strange, but it's nothing to be alarmed about. So right now, I guess the Blue Jays have 10 relievers on their roster. Does that sound about right? Romano, Pop, Kikuchi, White, Trevor Richards, Jimmy Garcia, Adam Simber, David Phelps, Anthony Bassett, Tim Mesa. Of those names, are the, who do you expect to not see suiting up should the, when the wild card round begins? Well, I don't think Kikuchi and White will be on the playoff roster. How dare you, may I ask? Just a quick question. <laughs> it's also just because of, like, they're going to be pitching this week, probably, right? Like, mm. which might... Mitch White is starting Tuesday, and probably Kikuchi is going to start on Wednesday. Or if not, if not start, bulk, bulk it. So How could they do that to me? And to Japanese Andrew Miller. I really don't think it's very fair. Last three outings. Last three outings. He has a zero ERA. Eight strikeouts, two walks. One hit allowed. One hit by pitch, of course. I know. It's just it's just a matter of like, he might not even be available for the first game or two. To which I say, how dare you? All of this is, is an outrage. It's all, this is outrageous. Outrageous treatment of Yusei Kikuchi that I won't stand for. Who has, whatever. He, it's not that. It's not that big a deal. I mean... As much as I love the idea of, of Yusei Kikuchi being like the multi-inning stopper, I just don't think that he's earned that kind of trust to be able to be there yet. And a couple, you know, good outing against the Rays, decent outing against the Yankees, and then he picking up, his, I believe, his first big league save against the Red Sox, which shout out to that. The shout out to the three-inning the three inning mop-up save is among my favorite things in all of baseball. I just, I love, <laughs> I love when that happens. It's like, oh, and you got the save in this 15-2 to two game, but... But uh, yeah, first big league save for Yusei Kikuchi. But I just don't think he's earned the, earned the trust quite yet. And it's a very much like break glass in case of emergency that if it's a Kikuchi. Or, I mean, uh, Blue Jays fans will probably remember when Cliff Pennington <laughs> pitching in mop-up in, 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 the, a uh, in the playoffs. Game. In a playoff game. A real sad state of affairs, truth be told. But uh, That was the R.A. Dickey start. R.A. Dickey started? No, was it? That was, uh, what year was Pennington? I thought Pennington was 2016. Maybe I'm wrong. Oh, okay. No, maybe I'm wrong. I'm not sure. I don't remember Dickie started. No, it was. It was 2015. You're, you, I believe, are 100% correct. I, sh- I should never have doubted you. So R.A. Right, Dickie started that game? It was against the Royals. Yeah, it was 14-2. to two. Yeah, Dickie did start that game. Dickie started and he gave up five runs. Well, five runs were scored in the first two innings. Dickie did not even get out of the second inning. And Liam Hendricks. Liam Hendricks came in and threw four and a third innings. <laughs> the Blue Jays in a playoff game. Uh, and then LaTroy Hawkins came in and didn't get anybody out. And then Ryan Tapera had a rough go. Mark Lowe had a rough go. And then uh, Cliff Pennington came in, threw a, got, got one out, threw four strikes. 2015, game five. That was when the or game four, the, the writing was like kind of on the wall at that point, even though the Blue Jays, of course, did win game five, famously, before. Man, that game six, game six, 2015. One I will long remember. 
Jose Bautista, absolute beast. Two home runs that day. Like a freak. Anyway, I'm so excited for more of this. More crazy games that we will remember for a long time. Hopefully for the right reasons, as opposed to game six between the Royals Hopefully and the Blue Jays. Espinal is not pitching for the Blue Jays in this postseason. Maybe that's a question. I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Santiago Espinal is, is nearing health, as is Luis Gurriel Jr. Do you expect to see a lot? This will be the last thing we'll talk about. Do you expect to see a lot of Santiago Espinal, depending on the matchups? Or do you think that maybe Whit Merrifield has sort of solidified himself in the, in the lineup almost as an everyday presence right now? I would lean Whit Merrifield right now because not only is he swinging a hot bat, which he is obviously, but he's also just in a rhythm. It's one thing to come back from injury. It's a whole other thing to come back from injury in the postseason. You know, you're kind of coming into it pretty cold. So I do think Espinal's still probably the better defender, but I don't think there's a huge drop-off with Merrifield. Like, I think he's pretty solid at second base. That's probably his best position. Um, and he's a good defender there. So I think that you would just lean that to start with, and then maybe you're using Espinal and late game situation or you know if it calls for it or something but uh i think you just lean on the hot bat right now and just kind of the guy that's um been in there merrifield made a really nice play on in sunday's game where there was a ball that was hit to him that i believe was kika hernandez had to jump over and and it was sort of a slow moving play but like merrifield showed a really good clock and just like really good you know the play was in front of him and he, so he made the throw over to second base which i i didn't expect and it didn't even look like he really fired it, right? But it was just like very controlled, very smart play. Like this plays right in front of me. I can get this force out without too much effort. Don't need to try to throw it through Bobochette. Just get it there on time and in the right spot and, and we'll pick up that lead runner uh, out. And just little things like that that I think are important all the time, but in playoff games in particular, like being able to to pick to to knock down that the 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 lead runner keeping the guy out of scoring position because everything matters in the playoffs and it, you start to get that tense feeling in like the fourth inning, like, oh my God, the, the, when, when you're watching, especially from a fan perspective where it's like, it's a one run game in the fourth inning, it's like, oh shit, oh my God, what are they going to do? They, they need to score. Someone's got to score right now or otherwise you just start counting down those outs and the ability to pick them up, be able to hold, to hold those situations um, in place is, is interesting. So we got Merrifield, maybe ahead of Espinal. Again, not that there should be pressure, but the sooner the Blue Jays can, can clinch, the maybe maybe you can get Espinal and start a shortstop. You know, maybe get Boba Shed a day off his feet, something like that, let Espinal get his feet wet over there. Um, and then as you make those decisions. But I guess the other question is, is Lourdes Gurriel versus Ramel Tapia, who strikes a very unique figure, right? He has a, he has a, an odd place, I think, in the, in the Blue Jays, maybe like fan, collective mind somehow feels simultaneously worse and better than than it seems i i, I personally don't know what to make of ramal tapia uh he's been pretty good in the for the last what month or so you know he did strike out three times which is so unlike him he struck out three times <laughs> against the red sox but like been basically league average for the last month you know hit those hit a couple home runs a couple triples a couple doubles you know and and, and with an odd for him, number of strikeouts, considering how well he puts the ball in play. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to make. I mean, I think the Blue Jays are probably better with with Guriel, but I maybe am f- 
just a prisoner of the moment and just sort of like the idea of A, someone who comes up and is left-handed, B, someone who comes up and puts the ball in play a little bit more. Not that Gurriel doesn't put the ball in play, but I'm too swayed right now by, by the lure of what Tapia offers in our minds as opposed to in reality. Yeah, and I, I think I would use somewhat of the same argument too is like, do you just kind of ride with the guy that's been in there? Baseball is such a sport where it's about rhythm and it's about getting into like a flow. Um, and so is it just, is it asking too much of Lourdes to jump right in there in a postseason game? I think that he could do it. And like you said, like he's also a guy that makes a ton of contact and he's shown really good plate discipline this year that I wouldn't necessarily like be worried that he's going to come in and like just start swinging the bat at everything. But also like you have to understand that like he hasn't seen live pitching in a few weeks. And so you can't necessarily like afford a guy a game or two to like, you know, see the ball well Mm -hmm. in the postseason because you don't. Yeah, no, there's no you can't send him anywhere. So I would think that circumstances would suggest that they're just going to go with Tapia and then use Lourdes almost like is a pinch hitter if the game calls for it. Like, you know, if there's a situation where like a lefty comes out of the bullpen and Tapia's up, then you put in Lourdes, right? And so like that situationally, I also think like his hamstring injury, like, you know, tough to throw him in the field too. Like, so I would sort of lean towards Tapia, honestly. It's just like what we sort of what we talked about with the pitchers with the difference between Stripling and Gossman is that the kind of idea of process and the idea of like, well, Gossman's got a better FIP. At this point, it doesn't matter, right? The process stuff kind of goes out the window a little bit. And it's just like, what's going to help us to win tonight's game, which is not necessarily how you, you can't manage every game like it's the seventh game of the World Series, as they say, and you can't put too much emphasis on a given regular season game especially if it's in june august whatever but now in october that it's the it is you can manage these games especially in a three-game series like it's the seventh game in the world series and sometimes you have to do something that might not be the most sound process i'm using like air quotes but you just got to do think what is it that's going to put us in a better position to win tonight and if it is a guy who maybe is less talented but is in in the groove is seeing pitches is doing his job and has been has been offering a nice antidote in the lineup entirely entirely defensible if you're the blue jays and that's the way they end up going it's tough like you said he hasn't played we're out of time caitlin's got to go she's got work to do and we will be back later this week me and ricky We'll be talking about whatever is to come ahead of Friday's game. The Blue Jays will be playing. They're playing postseason baseball. We're not 100% sure where when we're recording this. Hopefully, if you listen to this maybe tomorrow, Tuesday, you know where they're going to play. And half of this is already cold soup of the day. Nevertheless, we soldier on. Her name is Caitlin McGrath. My name is Drew Fairservice. This has been Spin Rate, the Athletics Toronto Blue Jays podcast. Make sure you give us a like, a rating, subscribe. Subscribe to The Athletic at theathletic.com slash spinrate. And we will talk to you later this week.